Rainmaker FM. You're listening to The Digital Entrepreneur, the show for folks who want to discover smarter ways to create and sell profitable digital goods and services. This podcast is a production of Digital Commerce Institute, the place to be for digital entrepreneurs. For more information, go to rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. That's rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. Welcome to The Digital Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Sean Jackson. On this episode, I want to talk about blueprints. In business, we often use building analogies, with the most used concept being the idea of creating a strong foundation. Foundations are important, but I want to let you in on a little secret. Laying a foundation for a building is not that hard. Yes, it's important, but in the grand scheme of things, it is one of the easiest aspects of any construction project. But more importantly, foundations are useless unless you have a blueprint. A blueprint tells you what type of building you are constructing. It informs everyone involved on where things go and what material you need. And the nice thing for you is that there are a lot of blueprints available for building an online business, if you know what to look for. And while many exist, the challenge is finding them. You see, the real pros in the online space rarely share their blueprints. Oh, they may talk about them in general terms but rarely do they divulge their contents in detail. On today's show, we are going to reveal one that has proven its success many times over. And the blueprint we will be discussing is how to create and profit from a hyper-local community site. Regardless of where you live or work, there are defined geographic boundaries that people identify with, whether we call it Lakewood or the Highlands or Briar Grove or the Bubble. And the reason hyper-local community sites are so powerful is because they are so rare. You see, most media concentrates on big markets or big industries because that is where the big money is. But smaller communities have huge value to not only those living or working in them, but also to those that want to move into them. And that value can be monetized in ways that have huge impact for those that run these hyper-local community sites. Today's guest knows the value of these types of sites. As a commercial blogger, she has built several local community sites that have generated enormous returns for her employers. But it was the skills she developed on her own personal site that helped her lead these commercial online efforts towards success. So when we return from the break, I will ask her the pointed questions that you need to know so you can use her blueprints to build your success. The Digital Entrepreneur is brought to you by the all-new StudioPress Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical goods, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm forward slash StudioPress right now. That's rainmaker.fm forward slash StudioPress. Welcome back from the break. 
Today, I'm interviewing Kendall Gwynn, Director of Marketing for Aquila Commercial in Austin, Texas. Kendall has created several local community sites over the years, working for such companies as Pegasus Avalon, UCR, and Aquila Commercial. I've known Kendall for a long time, playing a role in helping her land her first commercial blogging job. And what she has accomplished in her career has blown me away, with her success due in large part to a combination of intelligence, hard work, and creativity. Without further ado, Kendall Gwynn. Kendall, thank you for being on today's show. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. So let's get into this. So you are very unique insofar as the fact that you have focused on building online communities in very specific geographic areas, correct? Yes. And I think your experience in there is really what I want to focus on, primarily to define a blueprint for our audience. So let's, let's go through the beginning. So when you started off, you basically had nothing to start with. <laughs> so yeah. let's go ahead and help our audience through the mechanics of what you kind of did from the very early days and how they should start to look at kind of this hyper-local community that you were putting together. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, what I was lucky about in the design district um, when I came into the picture was that really um, uh, the company I was working for, Pegasus Ablon, had laid the foundation of being really all in on the idea of um, content marketing and building a hyper-local community. Um, you know, as we all know in content marketing, support from the top down is probably the most important thing that you can have going into um, a project like this, because without it, um, you just won't have the resources, the time, um, or or the backing to um, get it done and be successful. So I'd say that was um, really important. So um, by the time I was um, added to the team, you know, they had already gone all in. Um, they said we're going to have someone doing this full time, building it, and had dedicated um, themselves to. Um, you know, creating a hyper local blog site and community. All right. So you get into it and obviously the mechanics of it, getting a site up, that was not so difficult, right? I mean, just, you know, kind of, so, and you had some design capabilities, so you kind of knew the, the look and feel of it, et cetera. What okay. was the primary goal though? And that, I want to get to that. What was the goal that you were initially trying to shoot for when you were starting building this presence out? Um, so whenever we, started the um, Lower Oak Lawn, which is what we called the Design District site. Um, the goal was, this was a uh, community that was, uh, you know, had mainly been open to designers, the trade in the past. And we wanted, um, you know, in alignment with our real estate goals to make it a desirable place to be offline as well as online. Um, so to create um a community online um, that would make people want to visit the design district offline as well, since real estate um, and uh, you know that in-person experience was our ultimate goal. Right. So it was basically saying, look, we've been this small little community before. The people in the trade knew about us, but we wanted to broaden the reach, right? And the online space was going to give us the ability to not only broaden the reach of people knowing about us, but also with the end goal of saying, we just need more people coming down here who are not necessarily in the trade so the the homemaker that's looking to redo a house or you know the couple that wants to have a nice dinner or something of that nature correct 
Absolutely. As well as, you know, we were we were building multifamily down there. Um, so, you know, the young creatives who wanted to live in the area as well. Okay. So you put up the site and you, <laughs> you've got buy-in from management. You've got a goal and you got a focus. Um, then what? <laughs> because, you know, I think that's some of the scariest thing is that putting the site together was the easiest part, right? Now you've got yep. to do something. <laughs> so what did you do next? Um, you know, so what our, our main focus in the beginning was really for the first six to eight months was just building up as much content as we could and really good quality content. Um, and so for me, what that looked like was going out um, and getting to know people in the community, um, getting to know the retailers, the showrooms, um, the restaurateurs, and then um, interviewing them, um, posting content um, really daily um, so that we could have a really solid foundation. So when someone came to the site for the first time, they wouldn't, you know, just be able to read for five minutes so they could read for, you know, an hour if they wanted to um, and really get to know the personality of the area um, and dive deep into, you know, what all was going on in uh, the design district. So how were the retailers when you were reaching out to them? I mean, here you come walking in, right? How were they initially when you were approaching them? You know, um, most of them, you know, especially because uh, we, we were the landlord, um, so they were willing to take meetings. Um, some of them, you know, this was back in, gosh, was it 2009, 2010? Um, so, you know, it was only a few years into social media for business really taking off. Um, so they weren't exactly sure what this was going to look like, and, and they were a little nervous about it. Um, but, you know, uh, we were armed with, we created a little flyer that said exactly what we were trying to do. You know, we had a, a philosophy of, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. Um, and so, you know, it it reassured them this wasn't like a food critic who was going to come in and slam their business online, which to that point, you know, they had really been only familiar with Yelp and things like that. Um, and so it, it helped us uh, soften them up and be willing to tell their stories because we, um, you know, assured, gave them assurance that, you know, we wanted to show off and highlight their businesses. And, and that was really how we went about building our blog and building our brand for the design district in Lower Oak Lawn was, you know, you know, shining light on the other, on others, telling people's stories. Um, and once we did that, they wanted to share it with their friends because they were highlighted. And so that's how it kind of grew and took on a, a life of its own from there. How important was photography for you? Photography was um, super important, um, you know, giving people that visual representation of what was going on. Obviously, we're in the design district, too. Um, so it, it was a very visual industry as well um, as far as the retail went. Um, we I had my camera attached at my hip and I went out and took a lot of um photos at gallery art gallery openings at different showroom wine launches um and one of the things we actually did was we created kind of a a society type section where we would take photos and hand out cards that said you've been framed so people could go find their pictures <laughs> online the next day um and obviously people love to see pictures of themselves um <laughs> and um, we posted those on Facebook so they could go out and tag themselves. And they were obviously 
um, than being seen as being trendy and in a really hip new area. So that was another way that we helped promote the site and get people back to it. Um, those people who were already there in person and get them back um, to the community and a part of it online. Now, one of the things, so you've spent six, eight months building up quality content and you were seeing some success. The merchants were receptive after you explained kind of that you're there to help them, not necessarily to blast them. Um, but then there was a piece of content that you almost stumbled into that became huge for this particular site. Talk a little bit about that. So um, when we got a little deeper into the content after we realized that we, um, you know, everybody liked to hear the stories of each of the retailers, we ultimately decided that a kind of a buyer's guide or a directory um, would help people dive deeper into these stories and be able to find what they were looking for easier on the site so that they could locate those retailers um, offline as well. Um, so what we did is between me and we actually um, hired another writer to help, we wrote unique um, descriptions about every retailer in the area, which o there were over 400 retailers, wow. um, restaurants in the area. So we wrote unique pages, got unique pictures and photos for each page uh, of this buyer's guide um, and really created content that was like, okay, you would go here to shop for fabric, uh, for a nursery or for a living room. You know, we wanted really personalized and detailed descriptions so that people could, um, you know, kind of feel like insiders when they read it. And you also did a job board, right? That was another thing to help the merchants out because they're always looking for new people, right? Absolutely. That was another thing that really got um, our um, retailers bought in pretty early on was we started posting their job listings. Um, and it was a really great way for them to recruit recruit new people. Um, and then it was also um, one of our most shared uh, pieces of content on social media. Wow. So really, when you were approaching this, you had your center point was your blog site, you were putting the content there, but then you were aggressive about using visuals, you're aggressive about putting directories, job boards, etc. And then using the share capability of social media to help enhance it, correct? Yes. So you had huge success with that. I know that uh, from talking to your previous boss, uh, he actually attributed huge amounts of leads to the property directly from the site. So you, you almost reached the, the end goal that your boss cared about, which is getting, not only getting people there, but getting people to rent apartments or to uh, sign up for leases to be merchants there, correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think uh, we went back to, you know, about a uh, 60% of our multifamily leasing leads came, um, we could attribute, uh, to the blog site. Um, and then ultimately in the area, we were able to, uh, raise rents by 50% wow. over uh, three years, which was really, I mean, that from a commercial standpoint is, is just our true results. Um, one story I like to also tell is that we, uh, we were able to attribute a, uh, a lead for a 10-year uh, lease on about a 6,500-square-foot space directly to a conversation that uh, I had started on Twitter with a <laughs> <tenant>. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. So obviously, and I remember because you got some press about what you were doing. It was so unique in the real estate space at the time. And obviously you were a hot property. And then all of a sudden you meet the love of your life. You get married and you leave us in Dallas to head down to Austin. <laughs> and you go in. <laughs> that's how it went. <laughs> that's how it went. And, and then you were down in Austin with a major commercial player who, again, saw the expertise that you had and the results that you had generated up here. Then you get down into Austin and the focus of what you're doing now is obviously not as hyper local, that one little community. Now it's really citywide. So what have been some of the challenges in a commercial real estate where you have kind of a citywide presence versus a, a very small, tightly defined community? Absolutely. So uh, obviously scale is one of the uh, big things. It's very difficult to, uh, you know, it's more difficult and, you know, honestly, it required more resources, more, more of a team. Um, so um, on my team in Austin, I have uh, a full-time graphic designer um, and we actually just hired a full-time videographer. And, you know, with resources like that, we're able to scale a whole lot better and cover a lot more of the city. Um, you know, we're in also in a brokerage uh, rather than a development firm now is what who I work for, um, which, you know, requires that we have more of a citywide focus rather than this hyper local focus so that we can promote our properties all over the city. But a lot of the same things that you learned from before still apply, even though you're covering the city, right? You're, you're shooting video now, you're shooting you know, photography, obviously, but you mm -hmm. also stumbled across something that I think is really fascinating, which has actually gotten your, your company a lot of press recently. Talk a little bit about how you've expanded that scope to, to, uh, from a content perspective. Yeah. So interestingly, one of the, you know, hot topics in Austin right now is growth. Um, and one of the things that our company had been producing, but really hadn't been utilizing, it had been kind of an internal resource was, um, a quarterly market report. Um, and that market report again was just something that our broker used to, um, keep a beat on the market um, and sometimes would share with, you know, clients. Um, I saw this as a, it was a really um, kind of just a PowerPoint that I saw as a great opportunity to flesh out into a more detailed publicly consumable report. Um, and it's just um, become its own a monster. It is now a 70 something page report. Um, <laughs> and it's really not that much more difficult to put together than it was before. It was something we were already doing. Um, but we added some narrative to it, some obviously some great content. Um, and uh, now it's something that people can't wait to get their hands on. They're asking us if it's done. And, um, you know, several of the business journals and um, industry press have really started to look to our report as something that's, you know, giving a bead on what's happening in Austin um, commercial real estate, but also kind of the Austin market in general. Yeah. And I think that's so huge because I do think research is one of the easiest things to produce up surprisingly enough because there is a lot of good data out there but no one's taking that data and putting as you said the narrative around it right why does this matter how does this matter you know what is the future impact to our community and to me it it was one of those you know aha moments when you told me about 
about that, that of course, if you're in real estate of any kind, you want to know what's happening in the market. And a research report has not only the air of authority, but is something that people will be coming back to you time and again to get updates to it. Absolutely brilliant. All right. So, So, Kendall, I want to go through and help our audience who is listening to this, who is considering following a blueprint for putting together a hyper local site. Okay, you obviously Mm -hmm. have the expertise. I want you to help our audience with, you know, what they should be thinking about that blueprint. What is the the focus that they should initially on? How do they come up and find those killer content things that draw all sorts of traffic? You know, what is the things that they should be careful of? Let's help them for the remaining five minutes we've got to build their own hyper local community. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, a great starting point is understanding, you know, get, going back to that goal. We had that goal of getting people to the design district. Um, we have the goal at Aquila of educating people being the Austin resource, kind of the, the Wikipedia of Austin real estate. Um, so, you know, starting and defining your goal is probably the most important thing. Um, and then second, creating an editorial calendar um, and creating content that helps you um, towards that goal. Um, so, you know, both at the design district um, and at Aquila, the first thing we sat down and did was um, define what our editorial calendar would look like, how frequently it would post, what topics we would post on. I think at the design district, we had five fairly defined categories, and I think we have the same kind of four or five at Aquila. Um, So sitting down um, and defining those categories and then coming up with what are the, um, you know, what are the top 10 most important posts in each category that I need to write right away, that kind of core content um, that gets you um, the foundation for your site. Um, If you're in a hyper-local community um, or, you know, if you're doing something like we do at Aquila where you're covering a whole city, um, finding experts um, who you can talk to and interview and kind of uh, shine that light on others is definitely something I would consider um, incorporating into your editorial calendar, be it video, podcast, or um, blogs. Q&As are really great. Um, And they help... um, you know, bring in traffic from people who are going to share their Q&A on your behalf. Right. And I think that's helpful, too, because, you know, one of the things that I've always believed is if you take some famous people in your community and spotlight them, the very first thing they're going to do is share that with every human being they know. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it seems um, deceptively simple, but it really works. What about the merchants themselves? Because I will tell you, I was talking to my wife about maybe doing a hyper local site for our community. Um, mm-hmm. What advice do you have to reach out to the merchants? In your case, you know, you have a relationship with the uh, uh, leasees because you were the landlord in case mm-hmm. of what you did before. And, you know, how do you reach out to a merchant if you don't have that business relationship to start with? What advice would you give? Because I think there's a lot of merchants that are dying for people to talk about their business that don't slam them. But at the same token, they're all skeptical because they don't know who the heck you are. What advice do you have for that? Absolutely. We um, actually, when I was at Pegasus Ablin as well, we did a similar hyperlocal site um, surrounding in Frisco, surrounding a multifamily development we were working on. And, and the girl who um, we worked with 
um, Bethany, she had some of the same challenges because we didn't have those direct relationships uh, with the retailers like we did in the design district. And interestingly enough, you know, we live in this um, digital world, but the thing that was most effective was actually getting out, getting in your car and, and going and getting in front of these people face to face. When you were able to walk into a place, then tell your story. Um, it was much more effective than blindly emailing people and asking for a meeting. Um, you know, especially if you're going to see retailers, they're there, they're in their store. Um, and even if the decision maker or, you know, whoever you want to talk to isn't there, they usually somebody can tell you when they will be there so you can come back. So um, that was one thing that was surprising is that I was building a digital community, but it took actually getting out into the community <laughs> to get their stories. <laughs> so let's go through the final piece of the puzzle, which is making money. OK, now, in your mm -hmm. case, because you are a commercial blogger, that's how I would define you, right? People pay you to blog for big mm -hmm. entities. But you also run your own site on the side. I'm sure when you have run these bigger sites, you've had people reaching out to you about potential advertising, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think from a monetization standpoint, if you were just on your own, what would be some of the things that you would consider in monetizing it? Because anybody can go and throw a Google AdSense, you know, or an AdWords style ad on the thing. But I think there's better options out there. What would be some of the things you would look at for monetizing this for someone who was on their own? Absolutely. Um, so there's a couple different uh, ways that I think you can monetize. Um, obviously, ads is an easy one. Um, and then uh, a little bit more complicated, but also very easy is affiliate programs. Mm -hmm. um, those are a really great way to um, make some money by uh, promoting or linking to products that you already might be discussing on your site. Um, you know, uh, another thing uh, would be uh, looking at sponsored content. Um, I know uh, a lot of uh, PR firms these days are interested in working with uh, bloggers and blog sites who do uh, sponsored content. And um, those can be really lucrative deals um, when you find a brand that has a really good alignment with your site. Um, you know, I think you still want to choose brands that uh, to work with that are authentic and align with your site. Otherwise they just feel a little disingenuous, but sponsored content is another yeah. thing you can look at. Um, and then lastly, you know, uh, obviously when you're talking about real estate, you can look at, uh, the model that Brian Clark set up, um, with his first hyper local site and that that's selling real estate leads. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, particularly, uh, it's more, it's more effective probably, um, in the, uh, residential space. Um, but th there's opportunity, uh, in the commercial space as well. Sure. And I think all, all of those are absolutely valid because I think, and, and you kind of led into it, which is, you know, the more, um, uh, quality ads that you actually are contributing to your site, right? The content mm -hmm. that is really contributing that it may be paid for. And as long as you're disclosing that, that's one thing, but you also want to make sure it goes with the rhythm and tone that you have established. And then of course, you know, 
one of the things I look for is the fact that every insurance agent out there needs someone to help, you know, talk about what makes them unique. Every mortgage company, every title company, every real estate company, even mm-hmm. the local restaurant that may want to promote, you know, a Monday event of help fill the seats when it's normally slow. You would, I think, be surprised that once you start to build up your email list or your text messaging list, how many people will want to be not only on that site, but as part of the list that you've created up and getting their message out there, they will pay a premium only because you're the one who's talking in the community, whereas everyone else is ignoring it. Absolutely. Yeah, that was another thing um, about our design district site. Um, that was really cool. Um, and with our, our Aquila efforts, um, taking the time to build that email list early and, and create those opt-in opportunities um, from the very beginning is super important. That's a, a great tactical thing to consider whenever you're building your site at, at the very front because that email list becomes your, um, you know, it's it becomes your uh, huge presence. And, and like you say, people will really pay to be a part of that. You know, Kendall, I could talk to you for hours and have talked to you for hours, but I can't thank you enough for sharing all of the expertise to helping define a blueprint for a hyper-local community based on the experience that you've had. Thank you. Thank you for your time and your expertise. No problem. Uh, Thanks for having me. You got it. And we'll be right back after this short break. Hey, everyone. This is Sean Jackson the host of The Digital Entrepreneur. And I want to ask you a simple question. What is your business framework for selling digital goods online? Now, if the question perplexes you, don't worry, you are not alone. Most people don't realize that the most successful digital entrepreneurs have a framework or a general process for creating and selling their digital goods in the online space. And one of the best free resources is Digital Commerce Academy. Digital Commerce Academy combines online learning with case studies and webinars created by people who make a living selling digital goods online. And the best part is that this material is free when you register. Are you interested in joining? Well, I'll make it easy for you. If you're listening to the show on your phone and are in the continental United States, I want you to send a text message to 313131 with the keyword digits, D-I-G-I-T-S. And when you send that text message, we will send you a link to the registration form right to your phone. Are you outside the United States? Don't worry. Just send us an email to digits at rainmaker.fm. Either way, we'll send you a link to the registration form so that you can sign up for free for Digital Commerce Academy. And as a special bonus, we will also subscribe you to our newsletter when you text or email us so that you can stay informed with the latest insights from the show. And don't worry, we respect your privacy and we will not share your email or phone number and you can easily unsubscribe at any time. So if you want to start building or improving your framework for selling digital goods online, then please send a text to 313131 with the keyword digits Or send us an email at digits at rainmaker.fm. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back from the break. You know, to continue our discussion on hyperlocal, I always like to recommend a tool as part of my show. And in this particular case, I'd like to encourage you to take a look at Nextdoor. 
It's a social media site designed specifically for communities. I recently played around with it and found it to be very interesting, not only because it mimics much of the functionality that you'd find in other social media tools like Facebook, but it also has a good focus on your neighbors. So if you are thinking about putting together a hyper-local community site, Take a look at Nextdoor as a way to potentially draw traffic from that social media presence to your site that you're putting together. Well, that's it for this show. As always, I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we'll be back next week with more episodes of The Digital Entrepreneur.